0: The, the teammates loving him as a leader and that he's really come in and, and owned this leadership role. And we weren't even in the building yet. The team wasn't in the building. And I immediately understood why his teammates love him and listen to him and respect him the way that they do.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 69 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast dropped a tough one. That's the nicest way that I can say that we dropped old Uncle Si fell apart on Sunday as he built his hopes up and they were dashed in the last couple minutes of the Dallas Cowboys game. But we're going to have to move forward. We're going to talk Teddy. We're going to talk the Carolina Panthers. And we'll even talk a little bit of Jared Allen. I'm joined, as always, by Chris Corso, Jay Nelson from Vikings.com. And, boys, let's start where I left my heart in Sunday's game. Chris, this was not like the other losses this season. Maybe like the Tennessee Titans one. But th- this one had the vibe, especially after the three wins, it had the vibe of it's going to be okay. Oh, we give up a score here. Oh, this happens. You, you, you felt like the Vikings were going to come out on top in this one. Even when the, the Cowboys scored that last touchdown, you thought, well, we've moved the ball all day. We have all these weapons. When, when that pass hit Justin Jefferson in the hands and dropped to the turf, I think a lot of Viking fans felt the way I felt, which was their heart uh, right down near their bladder. Tough, tough way to lose that game, especially with so much on the line.
2: There are a few common denominators in some of these losses. I, I, I've gone back. I've done the, the go through the tape sort of thing. And is it
1: that we always have less points than the other team?
2: That's one of them. That's number one. Uh, number two is turnovers. The turnovers are a killer. The Vikings' offense was amazing in the second half, but that's after a fumble by Kirk Cousins and, and another fumble in this game in the first half. That, that It's just we do the fun, exciting, amazing things like Justin Jefferson breaking rookie records and Adam Thielen making one-handed catches, Kirk Cousins having the best game of the season when it comes to his statistics and passer rating and this and that, the flashy Dalvin Cook stats. We do all the hard things. I think it's the easy things that show up in the box score. And you look back and you say, damn, we turned the ball over twice in the first half. Damn, we had eight penalties for 80 yards, our highest penalty total of the season. And you go back to the Seattle game. You go back to the Tennessee game. You go back to all of these games and the same things are prevalent. They are, you let up the big play to Tony Pollard, the running back, for a huge gain after, after stopping the run all day. It's a few of these big time things that they they show up and they're the easy things and they just they make me so angry probably as angry as you say. Si.
1: Well, first of all, there's no way uh, they make you as angry as they make me because I I'm a almost, Knicks fan. I'm I am almost, a Knicks almost fan. ruined. We talked about this before really? the show. I almost ruined Jay and I's friendship <laughs> by a at possible. the end of that game. Uh, uh, to me, it's – tell us that story. I want to hear it. <laughs> no, thank you. To me, the story, and we talked about this on the post game show. And I, I'm not going to spend an immense amount of time dwelling on this game. Um, but the story of this game is what has been the story of this season. This football team, and you can pick your reason, whether it's youth and inexperience with a shortened off season, uh, you know, whether it's uh, having a great running back and wanting to control the clock and play a specific style of football. This team ebbs and flows with its margin of errors. There is a very slim margin of errors. When this team commits a small handful of really crucial errors, when they get into the 2-3 range, you get yourself into a lot of trouble. And if you look back at the couple of close games that we really feel like we should, we should have won, namely the Dallas Cowboys, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Tennessee Titans. You can in that Seattle Seahawks game. You can point to those two crucial turnovers on your side of the football field coming out of the second half that shaped that game. You did not have that margin of error in that matchup. It, everybody wants to talk about Alexander Madison. Could he have bumped off the tackle? Yes, absolutely. But those big mistakes. You saw that in in, in the Dallas game. It was the Kirk fumble, the Dalvin fumble, and then the penalty on the, the fake punt, and there were, you, you listed a lot of other things that happened, but just from big time, big spotlight, crucial mistakes, those three, any one of them could have changed the course of the game. And you can use examples just like that in the Tennessee Titans game, Jay. So to me, the really frustrating thing here is knowing that you have to execute on a certain level is, is watching it not come together in such an important moment because the Cowboys going into that game were minus 13 in turnovers. We talked about that last week. That regression, our two mistakes and only force and one and turning that into a plus one win for the Cowboys put you in a situation where you you just were going to have a tough time.
3: The killer is, is think about right before half when you had that sequence where Delvin got smoked across the middle and he has the fumble. They pick it up. And you were within field goal range at that point. So that you're thinking three points there and you try to get the double dip coming out of halftime potentially. And so that happens. Cowboys get the ball. They march it down and they kick the field goal. Well, there's a six-point swing right there and you lost by three. So at minimum, you look at that one mistake and that's costing you at least three points off the board, let alone six. I think the hardest part for this team is that you're young. you're getting more experienced, but you you don't have the same savvy veterans like you have before. If you, if you turn around and look at that Dallas Cowboy game last season, it was almost identical where they're driving down the field. They're within the 10-yard line. They're trying to get a first down or a score to beat us, and we're trying to hold on by the skin of our teeth, and what happens in that game is Eric Kendricks on a fourth down play knocks the pass to Zeke, and that seals the victory for us. On this one, you couldn't get one of those cru- crucial and critical stops at the last drive for the Cowboys. They convert it. They take a three-point lead, and now we're playing from behind with under two minutes to go. Those kind of mistakes of, like you said, the 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 penalties and the the missed huge opportunities on that punt. Those are the things that are are the difference this year, and I, I'm I'm hoping that. These are all things that are being seared or scarred into the memories of a lot of these younger players as they're going to mature as an NFL player, because hopefully when they get in those kind of situations again, we don't have to face this. But it's been crucial in in two or three games, and and that takes you from uh, losing record to a winning record. If you flip those games, it's just a huge thing this season. and It's been very frustrating to watch as a fan and, and a member of the team.
1: And if you look at the, the constant fan conversation of the and the over-analysis of Kirk Cousins' performance, you know, th- this was one basically quintessentially the spot where this conversation lands and you watch everybody just break into party lines, basically, with their argument. So Kirk plays a hell of a game. He does, at a certain point, what I've, been promoting and asking for all season the Cowboys go down Michael Pollard 42 yard touchdown run huge shift in the game boom 75 yard touchdown drive shift the momentum back 28 24 but then Chris you know to fuel the other side of that conversation they have a drive to put the game away and they can't put it away and then despite in my opinion it not landing on the quarterback at all on their final attempt to win the game, they, you know, it's four downs and it's over. So it, this this was a game that I thought Kirk played well, but it was also the exact sort of performance that plays into this stupid conversation that is making me want to leave Twitter eventually. The fans seem to blame Kirk. Let, well, let me, let, me t- let me tell you also, I, I am, everybody on this, who listens to this show knows I'm a, like a giant fan before I'm capable of being anything else. I'm the sort of guy who I am in multiple Viking fan Facebook groups. Like, I'm a psychopath, right? And the... You are. You you definitely are. I, I love the team. I'm sorry, Chris. I'm sorry that I'm a fan and you're just a guy that works. But I... I've had to leave a couple of them because I'm like, hey, if any of you cycle – like it's one guy will post like, oh, look at how good Kirk did and all you haters think this. And then some other guy will come in and post yeah, yeah, but this – it is a nightmare of a conversation. But in this game, I thought Kirk did what he needed to do. I, you can find some culpability in that second-to-last drive. But to me, again, like I said to Jay – this was more about your margin for error and your crucial mista- your three crucial mistakes, what I believe to be the three bright, crucial mistakes.
2: All right, I'm gonna go on a Kirk rant here and Jay can decide whether he wants to keep it or not.
1: I wish I had one of those Tony Reale <laughs> mute buttons right now. <laughs> it's time for Chris's little rant.
2: Every year, Kirk, goes through this this pattern with the Vikings where we start out the season, we give him like 10 attempts where we pass the ball, and we run the ball every single time. Then he starts to say, oh, I need to force my arm and start throwing. So then he starts to do that. He makes mistakes. We go to 2-2 two and two where we score six points in uh, Chicago last year, and, and everything's all messed up, and every fan out there is blaming Kirk for everything that happened. Then... He says, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm not going to worry about what everyone thinks of me anymore. I'm just going to start chucking the ball and slinging it around. Last year, he wins October NFC Player of the Month on offense because of his performance of not caring anymore what people think. This year, he comes one week short of winning uh, November Player of the Month with how he, how he performed um, in the in the past four games and I think this game was probably the first one where he literally said I don't care what anyone thinks I'm going to sling the ball around the field and have the confidence and not think about singles and doubles and, and whatever it may be I'm gonna go for it for what I know I have the the capability to do and that touchdown pass to Justin Jefferson was one of the best throws I've seen him make as, as a Viking because he just threw it. knew knew he knew, He knew himself it was going to be a touchdown, and he didn't care about what anyone else thought, and it was probably one of the best moments, I think, of his career with the Vikings obviously taking away the playoff game last year in New Orleans, but he didn't do it. The last two drives, he didn't do it. And that's the case where Vikings fans can go and they can say, it's Kirk's problem this, Kirk's problem that. He didn't do it on the last two drives. So that's super frustrating. I texted you, side before the last drive, and I was like, all right, here it is. Here's, Here's his moment. chance. He can save what everyone says about him. He can save exact, he can. he's done it all game, but he could actually save the team rather than when Vikings fans say the defense saves Kirk, this and that. So um, – that's my little rant on Kirk uh, obviously I work with him during the season I love him as a person and and I think he he's one of the better people in this in this league when it comes to just being a normal guy uh, but Vikings fans seem to have an issue with him as a quarterback him and the, and the money he makes and I just hope before his time is done here with the Vikings that he has at least one more chance in the playoffs to, to make it right and and I wouldn't want anyone else to, to do it. There, there goes my heart, sigh for Kirk and Rant.
1: As far as Rant's go, it was medium. <laughs> uh, as far as content goes, it was medium. But I support you and the quarterback, so I'm glad it was part of the show.
4: Back for the 2020 season is Pass or Play, a free-to-play fantasy-style game. Build your weekly lineup via digital trading cards that are randomly given to you. Users can elect to keep the first card sent to them and insert that player into their lineup or pass and move on to the next card. If a user chooses to pass on all three cards, they can come back the next day for one new card. Fans can win weekly and season-long prizes. For information, visit vikings.com slash pass or play.
1: Let's jump forward to the Carolina Panthers game. Uh, It looks like Teddy's going to play as of right now. Uh, You know, Teddy is a a guy that has, you know, we just got done talking about Kirk. Teddy is a guy that seems to have limitless love from this organization and its fans. Um, And, one could argue that Kirk, uh, <laughs> Kirk has a lot more arm talent and uh, has put up uh, an endless amount of better performances. I'm not here to compare the two. I'm just pointing out some things that I think might be accurate. Uh, but it'll be great. I, I, I'm i a Teddy Bridgewater fan. It'll be really great to see him out there. And it'll be really, with, with McCaffrey unlikely to play, it'll be great to watch Teddy try to beat this team because that's what it's going to be. Mike Zimmer loved him. It's going to be Zimmer's defense against a Teddy Bridgewater-led offense. And if you're one of those weirdos like me who likes secondary emotional storylines, that's a great one, Jay.
3: Yeah, I think the thing was Teddy had a ton of equity not only from the fans but from the organization like you said and and seeing him have the comeback and go through the journey. I think part of the reason why fans loved him so much was he was that feel good guy when he was here and just he he wasn't able to fulfill what was in the minds of all the fans that was out there and they felt like he got shortchanged and it it was something where the organization, you know, they they couldn't necessarily wait to see if he was going to be able to to play at that point they weren't going to put the organization on hold they had to keep moving and I know from the top down coaching front office players etc everybody loves Teddy I think it'll be fun to see Teddy come back here um, it'll be fun to see how he does at the same point you know we're all rooting for the Vikings to win this week it's kind of the I hope Teddy does great for the rest of his career except for when he plays the Vikings and uh, hopefully this weekend We'll, we'll get to see a Vikings defense that can get right with that uh, Carolina offense.
1: Well, and hopefully the pass rush can get right, uh, Chris, because 19 sacks on Teddy Bridgewater so far this season. I mean, Teddy's completing 72% of his passes, but if you can get pressure in his – he can move. We know that he's talented on the run. But if you get some pressure in his face, you can take a little bit of that stress off your young corners and maybe introduce him into, uh, into a bit of a long day.
2: I mean, the last six games Teddy's played, the, the Panthers are 0-6. And PJ Walker came in and, and won a, a big game for them against the Lions last week. So I love Teddy. I, I'll never forget the moment that he had at U.S. Bank Stadium coming in against the Bengals, and, and it was his first time back on the field, it was probably the loudest that I've ever heard U.S. Bank Stadium. And, and I believe Dalvin Cook said that today. He said that was the loudest U.S. Bank Stadium has ever been um, with him as a player. So I know Vikings fans. Have that, that rooting interest for Teddy, but I, it can't be this week. It cannot be this week. Like We have so much on the line in this game that th- there needs to be an all-out. We need the pass rush back. We didn't have a pass rush last week against Andy Dalton. That was what really was missing for the defense um, in that game. Obviously, the cornerback plays coincides with that. So um, just like you said, Cy, si, I'm looking for a DJ Wanham, a Hercules Mata'afa, who we talked to last week. I'm looking for some of these young guys to step up and make some plays for the Vikings' defense.
1: Well, the Carolina Panthers' defense is about as middle of the pack as middle of of the pack uh, could be, 19th in the league, so just off the literal center. They're giving up almost 25 points a game. Eh, They're okay against the run. They're a little worse against the pass. You know, I'm probably definitively worse against the pass. And to me after that game went down like that and and as i sit here and i talk about the margin of error Jay, if you can get after teddy and you can put the the panthers offense on the sideline i i'm not sitting around rooting for a co- close game here i i want blow the doors off these guys if you're giving up the six most passing yards in the in the league and uh you know a handful of passing touchdowns and and they don't really get after the quarterback incredibly well. They have 16 sacks. I think they've only, you know, picked the ball off five times. It's not a devastating pass defense. And with the emergence of Irv Smith lately, and we all know what all the other weapons are doing, I know we have Dalvin. I want to see him have a big game. I want to establish everything from there. But I'm really looking for this team to not only try to get a win here, but to to get in there and, and control and dominate a game.
3: Yeah, I think of all the types of Carolina teams that you could face, this is about as, as favorable a matchup as you can find. And the reason why I say that is because, th- don't get it twisted, Carolina is run through Christian McCaffrey. And this season in general, part of their struggles have been they had an identity and offense and that identity has gone. So now the offense is trying to make up for the the defense that is also, like you said, almost middle or lower middle of the pack. And I think... If your offense, if we're serious about being able to have Delvin do what he's done, having Thielen, which we don't know what's going to happen yet with him given the COVID protocols, but Jefferson emerging, and like you said, Irv, Kyle, who's been getting into this offense as well, jump on these guys. Do not let, you know, defensively make them start questioning, but offense, make them play from behind. That is where we play best. When we get a lead, we start pounding the rock, we start getting some confidence, especially on the offensive line, and you start moving people, especially their defensive line. If you're this team, jump out to a lead and just keep the hammer down because they are not a team that that does well at this point, missing their superstar running back, wide receiver combo, they don't have the chance as much to to try to come from behind, but they have some talented playmakers on this team. It's just not what you would normally see.
1: And I'm not going to let us waste any time on this because this is a real dumb side talker, but I love the storyline of Justin Jefferson going up against his college offensive coordinator. I, I, Justin Jefferson's got a bit of that chip on his shoulder. He's got a bit of show-off in important moments to him. And to get to play against the guy who called your games, who he, they obviously have an incredible relationship, but to get out there and put up a big number with, uh, with one of your former running mates on the other side of the field, I think that's a really fun thing. So that's that, that storyline is something that my dumb fanhood will be watching this weekend. Uh, let's, Let's get a little more in depth with the Carolina Panthers. And we're going to have Eric Smith, the Vikings team reporter, do that as he interviewed the Carolina Panthers team reporter, Kristen Balboni, uh, about the 2020 Panthers squad. They were able to talk about Teddy fitting in, in Carolina, the Panthers changing in culture now that Matt Rule is there, and the emerging leaders that are on that team. So without further ado, uh, Eric and Kristen, take it away
5: i'm Viking team reporter Eric Smith, and i 'm happy to be joined today by Christian Balboni, who is the team reporter for the Carolina Panthers. Christian, thanks for coming on today.
0: yeah, thanks for having me. Great to get to chat with you.
5: The Vikings and Panthers obviously will square off sunday at, at u s bank Stadium and We'll start with the most obvious storyline of Sunday's game, and that is Teddy Bridgewater's return to Minnesota. Kind of a a two-part question here on Teddy. How beloved is he as a teammate in the locker room and kind of as a leader? And how has he looked on the field this season in his first full-time starting role since obviously his knee injury back in 2016?
0: A great question about uh, the, the teammates loving him as a leader. And I, I'm sure you have experience with that and, and the legacy that he left in Minnesota. But it is so much a part of who he is, that leadership. Um, I think it's really, like, core to him being a quarterback. And, you know, we started to hear about it a lot in the offseason season of just these guys even on defense saying that he's really come in and and owned this leadership role. And we weren't even in the building yet. The team wasn't in the building. Um, and so, you know, I know he went out of his way in the off season to, to get to know everyone, you know, whether that was through text or zoom meetings, all of that kind of stuff. And it really started there. And I just have been so impressed just with that piece alone, that you could come in and command a team and be an established leader when you're starting with a brand new team with a lot of new teammates, a new coaching staff, and you're in the middle of a pandemic, Uh, no OTAs, uh, very limited off season. And he did that. I just think it's, it's so impressive. And the first time that I got to meet him um, at, you know, of course a socially distanced um, setting, I really understood it. He has a way of, of talking to you. Like you're the only thing that matters and listening to what you say and being very thoughtful about everything he says, just that quiet confidence. And I immediately understood why his teammates love him and listen to him and respect him the way that they do. And, you know, I think you see it and it's almost appropriate that all of this started with the Panthers in kind of unforeseen times because, you know, that's got that's so hard. And so now when the team goes through things that are also tough, I mean, he's just totally poised for uh, for whatever comes his way and the team's way. You know, I was watching him on the sidelines uh, with PJ Walker, who's not able to play in the Panthers last game against the Lions. And I mean, every step of the way, he was right there with PJ. And he's someone who, of course, as Vikings fans know, has been through so much and he's just, you know, just such a leader um, in any situation. And it's very, very cool to see from my perspective. Um, And then you you talked about how he looks physically You know, I haven't been able to, to tell that there has been anything, you know, involving his past injuries that has hampered him this season. Now I'm, I'm not a doctor, but to, you know, to my sideline reporter, I, I think he looks good. And we've seen that, um him running. We've seen him scramble on a 4th and 14. We've seen him run it into the end zone a couple of times, making plays with his legs. And so, uh, you know, to to me, he looks good. You wouldn't know uh, if you didn't know about his injury history.
5: I think that Viking tight end Kyle Rudolph said it best last week. He's the longest tenured Viking. He said out of any teammate he's had, Teddy is the most beloved player in the locker room that, that he's seen in the, in the last 10 years. And, you know, we'll, we'll have to see if Teddy plays on, on Sunday. You know, like you said, he missed that game against the Lions. And we'll see what his status is as the week kind of goes along. Uh, but switching over to Panthers head coach Matt Rule. I know he's in his first season in Carolina and the Panthers are four and seven. How has he kind of put his stamp on the team, you know, a, a little bit more than halfway through the season? And, and what does he kind of want the team's identity to be?
0: Yeah, I think he's put his stamp on this team in, in every single way. It's a it's a big emphasis in the building um, and from day one that they want their brand to be you know, tough and hardworking, detail-oriented. He's a big process person, and I know that these are things that all coaches say, but that is, that is who he wants this team to be and the coaching staff. Uh, it's all about the process, and that's actually something that I think we saw in the Panthers' last game against the Lions. They had just come off of this – Really, really tough second half against the Tampa Bay Bucks, um, and it was a, a worst loss of the season for the the Panthers. And they just all, from from Matt Rule to the coaching staff to some of the veterans like Shaq Thompson, preached attention to detail and buying into this process that this coaching staff has brought. And I think that everyone on the team felt like the win last Sunday against the Lions, where they shut the Lions out was a result of this team executing on the process that Matt rule and the coaching staff have laid out which is you know film study attention to detail, technique confidence, doing just your job and not trying to make the big play trusting in the game plan. So I think all of those things um, it is what Matt rule is trying to build here and you see it just you know you really see it every day it's not just something that he talked about when he was hired. And that kind of goes by the wayside. There are signs all over the building that say well, what's next. It's the what's next mentality, the attention to detail, building a personal process. That's what they want from each player um, in order to, to maximize um, everything that they do. So I, I think that this last win is what I would guess that Matt Rule and the coaching staff would say is the most emblematic of the process that they want to build.
5: Yeah. You mentioned that 20 to nothing win over the lions, you know, a shutout win at home, you know, obviously a step in the right direction for what Matt rule wants, but how does, how does that kind of play into the big picture view of the Panthers right now with about two thirds of the way into the season? Do they have visions that making maybe a, a late run to the postseason? They, they might have to win out, but it, what's sort of the vibe on that?
0: Eric, I don't want to sound like a, a coach and do coach speak here, but I I could not tell you because if you ask anyone on this team or this coaching staff, they would just say, you know, uh, we want to go 1-0 this week. And we're not thinking about that. And I, th- I do think that that is part of the whole process that we're talking about with with Matt Rule and and Joe Brady and and Phil Snow, the offensive and defensive coordinator, is that they're just so laser focused on every little detail going into this game with Minnesota that I I don't think that they stop and and think about what that win means for the rest of the season. Um or at least that's what they would tell me and the media. So but I also think that they're very clear about the fact that they want to win every game. You know, I've heard Matt Rule say there are times where they'll, you know, they've been known for doing these uh, special teams of uh, fake punts or, or going for it in long situations. And, you know, he does those things because he wants to win every game, uh, no matter how much they are down. And so, you know, he's, he's said, I'm not going to punt the ball away, Um If we have a chance to win I'm playing to win I'm coaching to win every game. So yeah, of course they want to be they want to win out and and make a run at the playoffs. But I think that they are just so hyper focused on this next game and just executing on the little things um, and correcting all of the, the little problems that have kept them from winning those close games. And I think they really feel like if they can do that, then the rest will take care of itself. But I do think this win was a big deal for confidence for showing that, you know, if enough of those little details go right, this very, very young team has the potential to do something like shutting out an opponent, which, you know, uh, only one other team has done, I believe this season. So,
5: so kind of heading into Sunday's game, it, it might be a little bit weird for Vikings fans. You know, they, they don't see the Panthers every season. It's usually maybe every two or three seasons, but for me, it's still a little weird not seeing Luke keekley's name on the roster. He retired and he's he now with the Panthers as a scout. Uh, You know, for so long, he was a face of that defense and probably the face of the franchise. So who's kind of stepped up on defense and, being a, and been a key player for that unit this season?
0: Yeah, it's still weird for me, Uh, you know, before joining this team as the team reporter, I, w- I was a Panthers fan, I am a Panthers fan. Um, And I think that you can ask any Panthers fan, it's weird for them not to have Luke Kuechly out there, probably take a couple of years to really get used to it and for it to sink in, but he's still here in in the building. And as you said, contributing as a scout, which is great. Um, But I think anyone would tell you that there's not one person that could fill his role. He is such a, an incredible player. He's the leader of that defense, the quarterback on defense for so many years. And, you know, not just his talent, but his ability to put his guys in the right situations based on what he was seeing at the line. It's just something that, you know, doesn't come around very often. And that's why he is such a an important part of this franchise overall. Um, but I think there have been several guys, you know, I think the veterans, Shaq Thompson has has done a great job, and and Trey Boston in terms of the leadership role, and really trying to put these young guys in uh, positions to succeed, knowing that there's not a lot of veteran presence on the defensive side. You know, the Panthers drafted seven rookies on defense, and every single one of them played in that game against the Lions. So this is a very young team uh, that's still learning and still getting used to the NFL, and so those guys have stepped up from a leadership perspective. Uh, Jeremy Chin, though, I, I I think is just going to be a, a really incredible player. Now he plays outside. Um, so, you know, and, and Luke was obviously middle linebacker, so different, but I think he has that same versatility. Now he's, you know, not all the way through his rookie season, still got a lot to to learn and develop. But I just think he's a special player. I think he's a very smart player. And I think he's going to be uh, great the more and more he plays.
5: We'll get you out of here with one final question here. What's the Panthers' biggest challenge when it comes to the Vikings? We've talked so much about the the Panthers the last few minutes but what is that team focused on this week what's the key to getting a win against Minnesota
0: well I think I think it's got to be Dalvin Cook right being able to to stop him or limit him with the Panthers win over the Lions you know the the running back they were facing was was Adrian Peterson who's a, a legend but um not in his prime anymore DeAndre Swift was out of that game for the Lions, and so certainly that that made things a lot easier on the Panthers' run defense. Um, But the week before, Ronald Jones just, I mean, just really, really, destroyed the Panthers. <laughs> uh, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, that's what he did. Um, we saw that one, night. it was a 98-yard run for a touchdown. It was just one of the things that he was able to do against um, a Panthers defense that, that wasn't uh, being gap sound and and playing the way that they should with the, the attention to detail. So I think anytime you face Dalvin Cook, that's going to be your number one um, issue, especially for this young Panthers defense. But, you know, I talked to Matt Rule, and, and he said something that he, really really wants the team to focus on this week is that the vikings are such a mentally tough team they'll they'll find ways to get it done find ways to stay competitive and that's something that he wants this panthers team to grow into he wants that's something that he wants them to aspire to and so he said you know we gotta we gotta put last week behind us and and really focus on this game because of the way the vikings approach everything so i I think that that's something that he's he's really looking at is can we hang with this very tough-minded vikings team
5: Kristen, we definitely appreciate your time and let's hope for a good one on sunday
0: yeah thank you so much for having me eric this was a lot of fun
5: Great interview
1: uh, with Eric and Kristen Balboni. Thank you so much for that. Eric Smith, Vikings.com. Check out all of his work. Guys, I thought the really interesting part there was listening to her speak about uh, Luke Keekley and how his absence, you know, something that Vikings fans have dealt with a little bit this season, some major absences, leaves a group of players trying to figure out who they are and what they're doing. And with McCaffrey out on the other side of the ball – you kind of have both units developing an identity on the run, Jay.
3: Yeah, and and you think about it too. If they were also missing Teddy last week, I mean, the surprising thing is that you have a backup quarterback and both sides of the ball trying to figure it out, and yet they also shut out uh, Detroit last week, twenty to nothing. And that's the first time Detroit's been shut out since two thousand nine. So like that was no small feat. So, you know, if they're starting to feel themselves a little bit at this point, you know, that's a team you're going to have to definitely take serious this week. And and if Teddy comes back, that'll just help provide another boost in that locker room.
4: Join me, Paul Allen, along with former Vikings linebacker and current radio analyst Ben Lieber after every Vikings game as we host Between the Lines. Analyze the game, break it down from all angles, and discuss what it means for your favorite team moving forward. Watch each week via Vikings.com, the Vikings app, YouTube, and all of the team's other digital and social platforms. For information, visit Vikings.com slash Between the Lines. Well, it's game day any day, folks.
1: Play the new Viking scratch-off lottery game from the Minnesota Lottery with a top prize of $100,000. Are you game? Just say, I'm in. Get more details at mnlottery.com. And Jay and Chris, after that seamless promotional drop on my part, I want to transition into a final quick talker before we get you guys out of here to enjoy either Thanksgiving, Black Friday, or the rest of your – uh, hopefully, normal weekend. Uh, Jared Allen named one of uh, four first-year eligible Pro Football Hall of Fame semifinalist candidates uh, for the 2021 modern era class. Uh, he joins Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, and Calvin Johnson. You know, pretty good class. Uh, Jared, we're we're gonna talk about this more as it goes. Uh, but just a quick moment here to kind of celebrate. I, I had a friend who told me in our industry, in the entertainment industry, when I was out trying to and failing at selling TV shows in Hollywood, you know, even every rung of the ladder is an impressive one. It, it's to, to try to get to the top of a mountain is such an incredibly difficult task that every once in a while you have to stop and look around and go, holy sh look how high up on this mountain I am. And to me, that's this moment right here. I I think Jared Allen is obviously going to be a Hall of Famer. He's a first year eligible nominee, which is really, really impressive. But just whether I'm not ready to discuss if he'll get the votes, if it'll happen to me, this is just a moment to celebrate him even being in this position. And uh and he was such a fan favorite. This is so exciting uh, for the Vikings organization and and for a guy with such a unique story coming from the Chiefs here and then having this incredible career. It's It's just great for the organization and the fan base, Chris.
2: Yeah, really fun fact, growing up out of Minnesota, I really loved using the Vikings in Madden because I could rush the passer with Jared Allen and I could run the ball with Adrian Peterson. They were like the best Madden team because you had two players that you use on both sides of the ball in video games. It was about as good as it gets, especially when they had Favre on one of those teams and you finally had a a pretty good quarterback as well. But really quick, uh, I was able to meet Jared Allen doing a skull LOL for Vikings Connected along with Grant Ridpath on one of those Thursday nights that were here at at the facility. And, And I just remember Jared Allen coming in and telling some of the funniest stories of all time of his post-retirement career and, and even sharing a nice cold Miller Lite with him. Uh, that was a, probably one of the coolest nights of working with the Vikings was to be able to meet one of the players I grew up loving from the Vikings even growing up um, in a different place. So Jared Allen is, is a fan favorite for the good reasons. And, uh, yeah, it was a pleasure to, to meet him and hear how he, he is an elite curler. So I, I couldn't leave that
1: out, Jay. just want to make a quick announcement. While we're announcing that Jared Allen is a semifinalist candidate, I also would like to announce that, uh, fun fact, Chris might not know what a fun fact is. Take it away, Jay.
3: <laughs> fun facts with an extra S on the He's back end of the He's a curler now. No, That's
2: a fun fact. For...
1: Yeah. I used to play Madden. Well, that is a fact that is uh that is a fact i guess i used to play fun. madden
2: with the vikings now i work here it's a it's a cool story and it was because of him it was because of him
1: it really was okay you've con- you've convinced me it's an immensely fun fact you're right Where's number
2: 69 i'm in for it. i'm in for it all
3: <laughs> the best thing for me with jared was when we did make the trade for him i remember him walking in the door and i've actually been working on another side project here with the vikings and, um, one of the things we were having to do is go through a bunch of old archive tapes. And one of the things that came in that I, that I found was Jared Allen's first interview. And it was actually Ben Lieber sitting down with Jared at our draft party. And they were talking about it and, and everyone kind of saw the cowboy hat and, you know, larger than life personality and everything. And kind of saying, get to know you. And he's like, don't get a twist. I'm a cowboy from California. I like my sushi. And so it just kind of showed you, he had the rough gruff and he had the, uh, He had the Kentucky waterfall going on and he had the hat and the cowboy boots. At the same point, he was he matched not only that personality outside, but on the field, he was dominant. And I think that's the reason that everyone loved him across the board. You still see his jerseys all over the place on game day and even walking out in public. And the best part of it on top of that, too, was he was a guy with a heart with his wounded warriors project that he still works for now. You know, we still work with him as an organization when he has different events coming up. He is the total package and knowing that he had a chip on his shoulder when he walked in coming from Kansas city because of things that had happened there, kept everything on the straight and narrow and was able to, to do what he did and climb up the ranks all time for the Vikings for, for total sacks. I think it's a matter of time before he gets into the hall of fame. If he gets into the first ballot, that's incredible But at minimum, he's one of the 50 greatest Vikings, and he's on the all-decade team for the 2010s. And Jared Allen definitely will be a Ring of Honor member and hopefully a Hall of Fame member here very soon for the organization.
1: Absolutely. Uh, A couple clings here before we close the show. Check out Vikings.com for all your latest Vikings news. Check out this week's episode of Under Center with Kirk Cousins. Special guest. And this is a great one. I know we, we talk about it every week, but this is the guy I listen to. This is fantastic. Legendary broadcaster Dan Patrick. You can grab it on the app. Uh, just a fantastic show. Um, tune in to Vikings Post Game Live every week 15 minutes after each game from inside U.S. Bank Stadium. Get a breakdown of the game, including highlights, stats, analysis, and more. Uh, Tune in on Vikings.com and the app and the social media channels. And finally, check out our boy Chrissy Corso and our other boy Gabe Henderson as they do Vikings Vantage Friday nights, 6.30 p.m. KFAN this week. Special guest Ron Johnson. Guys, setback. Dallas, uh, you find yourself on the verge of football no man's land. You're not rooting for a draft pick. You're not rooting for a playoff spot. You're so close to falling into football wasteland. Now, to cope with last week's defeat, you're going to have to get these next two, and then you're going to have to shock uh, you know, shock some people and get one or two of the ones that that people thought you might not get at the end of the season. But it has to start with this Panthers game. Jay, what are you looking for this weekend?
3: Defensive line. We brought it up earlier. I want that defensive line to get some pressure – get some more sacks on Teddy we know that you know Teddy is very good at hitting the intermediate and the short passes if you can get some pressure on him and get him thinking even more that's when you can possibly get him to make a mistake so that's for me I love Teddy but you got to get in his face this week and you got to get some pressure on him
1: Christopher Corso my
2: biggest thing I think is getting the offense going early like we say I think I say that a lot but um, last week while the offense had a great game. They did not get going early. They were super slow. We go down at halftime, and it's up to, to Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen to get going. Obviously, we might not have Thielen in this game, so who steps up to get this offense going early? Is it B.C. Johnson? Is it Chad Beebe? I need to see one more Vikings wide receiver have an impact on this game. It could be Irv Smith. I'm, I'm cool with that, too.
1: I normally have a pretty strong thing I'm looking for, to me, my, my Viking soul is just looking for a rebound. I, I, I need something to bring me back to a place of hope. I need a big win this weekend. I want to walk into that Tam- I, It's – got to get two wins here, but I want to walk into that Tampa Bay Bucks game feeling like we have something to play for, and that starts with this win. So given how we started this show, I'm just looking for us to keep our dramatic errors to a minimum. If you keep your dramatic errors to a minimum – with the type of football team and talent we have uh, and, and the, the skill we have in terms of coaching and game planning, we should be in really good shape. Uh, hey, we hope everybody has a fantastic Thanksgiving. Guys, please take care of yourself, take care of your families, and we will see you next week.